Hi, and welcome to The Mean. I'm Ryan Huber, and with me, as always, is Nicholas Seagraves. Hey, Nick. Hey, Ryan. Today, a day of mourning, a day of sadness, as slowly but surely the prospects of Donald Trump becoming the Republican nominee for president creep closer and closer day to day, like a Shakespearean monologue. But we're not going to talk about that. Well, we are going to talk about that because episode 22 of The Mean is, is entitled reality television. So we will be talking a little bit about Donald Trump. Uh, but I wanted to go back to the roots of reality television of in your memory as a 20 something in my memory as a 30 something, what we remember about the beginning of our own conscious interaction with reality television. I'll let you go first because I just feel super old when we talk about this. So <laughs> when, uh, when was your first rec recollection or, or when you go way back what is your memory, your first memory, or your first set of memories about reality television? Yeah. Um, I think my first one... Well, it's like, you know, when something new comes out, people don't really know what to call it yet. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this... everybody... It's not like people called it World War One. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm People weren't like, guys, World War One just happened. Guys, how funny was World War One? something we just went through? Oh, I can't wait for World War II. Same. Um, I, and I just remember Survivor, and then I think later American Idol started doing the whole, like, churning process of, like, mm -hmm. you know, getting it done. It was a big deal. Moneymaker. And before that, I think there was even, they had those weird candid camera shows. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's like old school. Like candid camera yeah. is like 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. And I think they just kind of like revamped it and kind of put like mm -hmm. new colors or whatever the hell on it. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I remember suddenly at one point, I think MTV was the big thing for it. Because when I first started watching MTV... Like sneaking in at night, they had those like celebrity death battles, mm -hmm. that like claymation thing, and yep. then a few music videos here and there, and I think maybe some shows. But then I just remember being like 15 years old and turning on MTV because I was bored and being like, "Oh my gosh, this is like all like the intimate lives of pregnant teenagers or yeah. something." Yeah, it's really crazy. Shocking that music television has very little music or television on it yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, but hey, what's girl to do? So what was the first form of reality television that you liked or that you got something out of that you're like, oh, this is this is cool or this is enjoyable mm -hmm. at least? Um, I think when they started focusing more on competition, uh, I guess if you could call the old school Iron Chefs, you know, when there was like, oh, yeah. like voiceovers, if you could call that reality television, then mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that stuff. Yeah, lot. they were real chefs really competing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, competition is definitely one genus of reality television. Mm -hmm. And I think because of because it was, I think now competition shows have turned into trying to force the personal drama out. Oh, yeah. So it's like, this person has never met their dad. And that's why they want to be America's next top model or mm -hmm. something. Um, 
And just just as a like a side comment, has there ever been a television series so spectacularly unsuccessful in its premise as The Bachelor and The Bachelorette? No. There's like never been a lasting couple from any of the seasons of that show. Um which and, is surprising. Yeah, like not <laughs> Well, you would think like even a broken clock is right, you know, twice a day. Like, it, you know, mm-hmm. maybe one of these sets of beautiful people who have slept together will try to figure it out, you know, long term. But it's just it's crazy. Like it's like everything on the, the like I said, the genus of reality television that that's been more c- competition oriented and, and and like you mentioned has just in some forms become just so much about not the competition, like so much not about the point. Like if the point of the show is like find your soulmate or become the best chef or become the Mm -hmm. best model. Like, yeah, some of the TV shows are still like, I think the show, the voice is still really trying to find the person with the best, you know, performance, vocal performance. Um, But most of these competitions, like the other stuff seems to be, you know, like who makes things dramatic or, who's you know a backbiting gossip you know those things seem to be more why people tune in than like oh yeah like i'm watching this show to see two people try to fall in love like not that Mm -hmm. it's a realistic proposition to fall in love on a television set but um yeah it's just kind of a weird it's kind of a weird side note to the the reality television competition genus yeah well you look at something like Iron Chef, which was like, we're going to film these people with minor editing mm-hmm. doing this show or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or like trying to f- compete against whoever the hell is doing whatever. Um, but now I was watching, what was it? Even if you watch something like America's Next Top Model, there's all these like, like I think like a third of the show is spent like in their house. You know, yeah. they all live yeah. in, like, just the drama. Like, can you believe this person said this to me about nah, 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 nah. And, mm-hmm. just, and I'm just like, wait, I don't, when are you guys, so are you guys modeling or is this, is yeah, this Yeah, like, I'll watch some of these shows and I'm like, I'm kind of excited for the competition part of it. Like, Jessica mm-hmm. and I, for a while, were into the show called Face Off on Sci-Fi Channel, oh, yeah. where it's all the makeup artists. And I, I just find that really cool. Like, and I think... Things like Master Chef and other things, the competition itself is really interesting to me, and I I would spend some time watching it. Um, but after a while, it's just like you guys are focusing so much on the human drama, which is neither human nor dramatic, mm-hmm. um, and it just lost me. Most most of these competitions lost me because they didn't highlight, like unlike Master Chef or um, Iron Chef, sorry. Um, it didn't focus on the actual competition. So for me, that is, if you're going to have a competition show, the most real way to do reality television competition is to focus on the competition. But obviously that's not what people seem to want to do. And I think that's because one side of one form of reality television has taken over most Mm -hmm. of it. So even, so if you have the competition ones, which I guess survivor and American idol kind of fit into that since they are technically competition. Yeah. There's, there's also like the slice of life, Mm -hmm. um, like a camera crew following you around Mm -hmm. type thing. Like all the B list celebrities and the the, Kardashians. You have the B list celebrities, but they also have what I like to call the circus troops. So you just have like, 
these people have 19 kids. Here's a show about finding enough pairs of jeans mm -hmm. to go out at night. Yeah, like, like, isn't this weird that these people are so weird? <laughs> and that's the premise of the show. Like these people are sh are dwarves, and yeah. these and yeah. these people have. Mm -hmm. are, my favorite one of all of those is Sister Wives. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, one. I've I've seen yeah. enough. And, and and if you really like think about it, it's like what is this show? Uh, like, what are they doing? Like, what's the drama? There's mm -hmm. literally no drama except it's for when they have to move from Utah to. Nevada, yeah, because he's like a sleaze ball. So it, like, they had to, yeah, they had to go somewhere else because polygamy is officially frowned upon in Utah. Oh, but you have those shows which I think on paper people are like, oh, this is like giving the everyday person the non-celebrity like screen time. So we'll have these like families from the Appalachian mountains who are like struggling to start a business or something. Mm -hmm. And I think very quickly people realize that actually what sells, first of all, that's boring as hell. And second of all, what sells more is the fact that people, um, I don't know, are married to four women at once mm -hmm. or, or like honey boo boo. Like no one's yeah. watching honey boo boo being like, this is enriching their lives. You know what? They're different from me, and I respect that. Like, I'm sure that's, like... That's, that's probably where most of the audience is coming from. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Have you ever seen the, pre the promos for the show about the, like, upper-class Atlanta-area family, and they're all blonde, and the father is very effeminate, and his name is Todd? No. Um... I forget what it's called. It's like their last name. Um, but they're so like the people your mom went to high school with, like the, the, the they probably all do debutante, you know, like coming out when you're mm -hmm. 15 and, you know, the whole kind of the whole upper class Southern aristocracy, middle class striver mix thing. But um, the, the dad is just so flamboyant. He's, he's got four kids with his wife, who's 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 attractive. Um, but the like the his name is Todd, and he's very well put together, and his hair is great, and he makes a lot of money in real estate, and blah blah blah. And the and the promos are like, oh my Todd, and then it has all these quotes from him saying sassy things to his kids, mm -hmm. um, and then his kids like coming back with little retorts. And at one point, Jessica and I was were watching something on Hulu, um, which I have a love-hate relationship with because their commercials are awful. And this mm -hmm. promo was one of the three commercials they would run. And as we were binge-watching some TV show, I saw these promos for this this uh, television show. Obviously, they didn't do their job because I can describe the show to you, but I don't know the name of it. Um, so this television show, the promos are just burned into my memory just the interactions between the Southern man who's like the mix of like, I'm the head of the household. Like I'm a good Christian man. I do, uh, you know, you do what I say. And at the same time, like this is fabulous. It's incredible. So that's what television, that's what reality television means to me. Yeah. I mean, there, 
if you just flip through television and you run across the commercials and it's like out of context, it seems like a joke. Like it seems like a big giant joke. Like there's one when I used to watch Adult Swim all the time, some reality television show about like cyber bullying or something. And the it was just this like kind of overweight nine year old like looking right at the camera and going, You're so fat, you're so stupid and then like a tear like coming down his face. And the first time I saw it I was like, This is like a Tim and Eric promo or something. But then it was for real life tel- like television. I oh, guess. by the way, this show's called Chrisley Knows Best, and his name is Todd Chrisley. Oh, uh, so it's like Father Knows Best. Like. Yeah, Chrisley Knows Best, and it's just incredible. It's uh, the hair alone that his wife and teenage daughters have is worth your is worth your time. <laughs> okay, I, I will definitely look at it. I also believe that they adopted an African or African American baby recently. Okay. Um, so, which is like all the rage in Christian families, um, which is, I'm so pro adoption. I can't, I'm not going to make any jokes about that, but, um, this family is like the best version of a reality TV show that you're kind of watching. Cause you think they're weird. Like you don't pity them. Like you would like a, a honey boo boo. I guess they're the more polished version of Duck Dynasty. You know, you watch them, and a lot of people probably watch them like, "Oh, this is a nice family. They seem nice, and their life's kind. Of, their life is kind of interesting." And then the other half of the people watching them are like, "These people are Neanderthals." Yeah. Um, yeah. Or they're at least very strange or weird. Or I, I've never met a Southern person before, so I'm not sure if they're going to make me biscuits or shake my hand. That's what it is. By the way, I made some biscuits, biscuits and gravy earlier. It was it was a good decision. Wow, I am jealous. I Just had I don't even know what I ate today. So, I, so I need to I, I need to catch you up on my side of the the long story of reality oh, television yeah. because you know you've caught me up on your side. I just wanted to you know give you a little a little view into a thirty one year old man's recollections of reality television. So, in nineteen ninety four, I was ten years old. And I had, I had a pretty good, in the early 90s, I had a pretty good recollection of sort of popular culture because my brother was four to five years older, you know, four and a half years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, I saw, sort of saw culture through the younger brother prism of, oh, my brother's doing this, listening to this music, listening that, to that music, uh, very much a child of the 80s. But um you know, you start to see on TV because TV was just on all the time because there were more channels and things were, you know, multiplying. And, you know, if your family had any money you wanted or didn't have any money, you wanted to get cable so that you could watch the cool shows that your friends were watching. So, and when my parents split up, like the TV was on more because we were kind of raising ourselves a little bit more latchkey kid style. So video games were a big part of that. Like we talked about, uh, last week, but, um, the OJ Simpson thing was like huge. It was like this thing that was always on, like, like networks canceled soap operas to show just live courtroom footage on network television during the day. Like, think about that. Like this is, this is, this is, and this is, you know, almost prophetic in that it's showing that some form of reality TV 
is is a better money maker for the networks than than cheap soapy scripted programming. This is the the forerunner of a lot of hundreds of decisions that would lead to now there aren't really any more soap operas on television during the daytime. Mm-hmm. And scripted dramas are being eaten alive by the reality side of things. And this is way back in the early early to mid nineties where. O.J. Simpson just captured everyone's imagination. Here's this famous person and something dramatic happened in their life and there's people on both sides of it. You can see the blueprint for reality TV, right? Like already. Mm-hmm. And some people love him. Some people hate him. And even the mundane things that were happening were outrageous, like things that would happen in the courtroom, things Johnny Cochran was saying, um, things that were being discovered, friends coming out writing tell-all books. I mean, this was really the beginning of the amplification and this is pre-internet being big right so this is all tv and radio are still dominant mediums of communication at the time and all of this media is coming out you're consuming it even as a kid it's on even if i wasn't sort of choosing to consume it i was consuming it you know about Mm -hmm. this guy you know there's a racial thing involved you know that people are on both sides of the issue. You're not really sure what's going on as a kid, but you know that it's all over the place. And so you start to get used to this idea that it's exciting to figure out what's going on in the life of someone who's famous. Not because yeah. that person is good or bad, but because that person is famous. And uh, the recent series that's been that's been on television in the last month or so is uh, the American crime story, The People versus O.J. Simpson, uh, executive produced by Ryan Murphy. And it's really good. It's really good TV. It's dramatic. It retells the whole trial story. The acting is good. But it's also because he's doing it in such a style that he's kind of showing how this trial was the forerunner of reality television culture in the United States of America. And there's all these little scenes where one of OJ's closest friends, um, Robert Kardashian and an attorney who was on his legal team for a couple different reasons that we won't get into now, but he was basically his best friend. Um, and you see all these scenes where Robert Kardashian's kids are interacting with the media, interacting with their father being on TV and the excitement of that interacting with uncle, uncle juice, OJ Simpson and all these things. And David Schwimmer plays Robert Kardashian as just this very kind of sensitive guy who's trying to help his friend. Who's not sure what's right and wrong. Uh, you know, a man of character, but also a man of weakness. Um, and Ryan Murphy is going, Hey everyone, you see these little girls running around. That's Kim. That's Chloe. That's the other one. Whatever their names are. Whatever that one is. Yeah, and he's saying, like, these kids grew up watching people they knew on the first version of reality television. Now, who is surprised at all that they grew up to make sex tapes and have get famous for being famous and put their entire lives on television and make that into an industry? I mean, this this is how they were formed. This is how they were raised. And, um... I think it's a good point. I think the point that they're making on the media in the people versus OJ Simpson is that this circus started out with someone who was truly famous because OJ Simpson was very famous from being an athlete and being on movies and stuff like that and being on commercials. But you and you know, and I know if something works in capitalism, other people will imitate it. And gen, gen, generally how it's going to work is those imitations will get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. 
So we went yeah. from O.J. Simpson's life being in the open and being in every magazine and being on every television station and Larry King interviews about it to, you know, like two decades later, um, having like the Casey Anthony thing in Florida about this woman who may or may not have murdered her daughter, her little daughter. You have things like the Kardashians, you have things like big, big world, little people and Chris Lee knows best and Hogan knows best and dog, Chris the, Lee knows best. dog, <laughs> the bounty hunter and keeping up with their Kardashians and, mm-hmm. you know, ice loves Coco or whatever all those shows are. I'm just saying words that I've seen on television screens at this point. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. this world has populated itself because it's a moneymaker. It's, this is the downside of capitalism is that if, if capitalism can find enough people to make something awful and stupid and get them, trick them into consuming it, then there you go. Which is why the whole system, our whole system of government, our whole system of, of culture is supposed to be built upon a virtuous people or a, a people of faith or a people of depth. And when you don't have that, when you have people who sort of just want to unplug at the end of the day, cause their, their job at the nail salon is, is stressful or whatever mm-hmm. you have people that want to watch this kind of TV, which I totally understand. Cause I, you know, I got trapped by a few reality TV shows in the past and I understand the draw of it, but for, for television stations, what happens or for networks or big conglomerates that own TV stations or, or cable networks, it's cheap. It's fast. It's candy. It's TV candy. You know, you, you can, you can get it on the go. Um, you can produce it and make money and not have to risk, you know, whatever the budget of, you know, Marvel's agents of shield is or whatever the budget of Fargo is, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have millions of dollars pumped into it. You can make it with a, with a light crew and and some careful, you know, some strategic editing. And there you go. You have a show and the, you know, the real housewives of Beverly Hills and all the behind the scenes things. I mean, this all really did start for me with the OJ Simpson trial. And then some of the Michael Jackson, princess Diana coverage when those things happened, um, with the Michael Jackson trial and Princess Diana dying, and and then it kind of became this like American Idol. This is cool. The TV competition has come back because like there've been televised competitions. Like um, yeah, yeah. Like um, not to catch a rising star. That's a that's a comedy club. But what was the old show like? The star Star Search, mm-hmm. um, Star Search, and like old like and even things like kids say the darndest things. Like normal people have been put on live television for a long time. And TV competitions are nothing new, but this was, it was new because things like Survivor and Big Brother and The Amazing Race and all the different romance shows and The Bachelor and Marry a Billionaire and all these different things, Joe Millionaire, all these different things were, they were just multiplying so fast and they just had a different feel to them. Like there was a more voyeuristic feel and a more connected feel and the internet, the rise of the internet was obviously a big part of that. But, um, definitely for me, it traces all the way back to that mid nineties trial. Uh, and now I think we, it just, that was almost like a portal to a universe that we've entered. Uh, and the universe just has a lot of the similar stuff going on. So that's my kind of general experience, messy, messily recorded experience with reality TV. But for you, Nick, when you think about what reality TV is and like why it exists and what function it plays in our culture or what it means that we have a place for it in our culture, like what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on sort of the deeper meaning here? 
Yeah, I think it's interesting to see it as what you said about capitalism. Things get cheaper and uh, worse, I think, because they also... Um, they hone in on what they think is like the the reason, yeah, you know, so it's like the reason why everyone loves reality television is because like you know it's just so good, and I think some producers were like, what people really like is to see other people humiliated, so then you have these things like I don't know if you've seen those Japanese reality television shows and I think they did like an American crossover it's where these people just running through an obstacle obstacle course yeah. and there's like all these things like hitting them in the face yeah. and they like fall in the water and they get yeah. like squirted with like oil and they have to like climb up thing. and it's just like, yeah it's most, basically like, ow my balls from idiocracy basically it's just like watching someone get hurt over and over and yeah. over and over yeah. again and I think the the bad part of reality television comes... I, let, let me try to clarify this. If that's all the show was, I don't think it would be bad. I think it would be a slight waste of time. However, I don't think it would be like unethical to watch that show. But because some producer somewhere is like, you know what this show... You know what Ouch My Balls really needs? <laughs> a really personal backstory. Yeah. So I just remember this one contestant being like, this is my son... He has, like, you know, he got tuberculosis or something, and, or, uh, yeah, I think it was something like that, and he, you know, he can't really function really well, and he's really, having really young, and, like, I'm here to prove that, like, someone who, like, overcomes diversity can do something really, really cool, and they show, like, all these, like, B-roll footage things of him, like, you know, throwing a Frisbee with his son, and, like, his wife and him like doing finances and like, you know, doing it right. And then he like gets on the stage and then like immediately like falls off and they like rewind it and show him falling off again. And then he like loses miserably. And then all of that is just gone. So like, it's just weird. It's just, it happens on almost every show. Like if you really, really take it seriously and you treat these people as people, You'll, there'll be these things where it's like, I'm here to prove that like, like my grandma's watching from home and she's always believed in me and she has a, a terminal illness and yeah. I don't know if we'll get to see her again. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sing this song for her live yeah. right now. Yeah, and then like they get eliminated first on yeah. the competition thing. And, and then, then they sing and everyone's like, like, you're the worst singer ever. Your grandmother should be ashamed of you. Yeah. And we just all like forget about it, I guess. That's incredible. <laughs> so that side of reality television, this trying to do both, trying to make, like, have an impactful, meaningful story. Mm-hmm. And even do this on American Idol now, where they'll, like, pick a few people and be like, I went to an all-boys high school, but I was a girl, and or something, <laughs> yeah. and I've, yeah. like, learned how to do all this stuff. And everyone's like, wow. And then they, and then they don't make it, and that's just gone. And I, I think that encourages the kind of thinking where it's like, I don't know. It's it, I think it's very dangerous in some ways. What do you think? Where do you think the danger comes from? Like, what what what's the? Or maybe I should say, 
what's the aspect of it that you find most either dangerous or disturbing or at, at least worrying? I think what is worrying to me is the fact that there are people who honestly can get involved with some, like start empathizing with someone for like on the most shallow level possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then immediately, and then once they don't meet an entertainment standard, just forget immediately. It encourages a type of thinking of like, not only are people's bodies and weird habits and failures to be good singers are to are that they actually are good singers or whatever, mm-hmm. but also becomes part of it is their stories, their their lives are now up for judgment. Like yeah. their how they live, what they've gone through is now something that we all get to talk about mm-hmm. and be really into. And that's weird for me. I think for me, it's the commodification of humanity. You know, Mm -hmm. it's related to what you said. But it's like, you know, Kim Kardashian got famous by making a home uh, porn video. Uh, Mm -hmm. And she literally put her body out there so that people would like her, you know, so that people would say, Mm -hmm. oh, she's so sexy and she's so desirable. And that launched the entire keeping up with the Kardashians thing. Um, and a lot of these shows are commodifying human emotion, human bodies, human relationships, human families, human uniqueness and culture, even things like duck dynasty. It's like they're, they were doing that long before they were doing everything they do basically long before they had a TV show. But when you commodify Mm -hmm. it and you package it and you label it and you, you know, list the nutritional ingredients, you know, and you break it down and you put a barcode on it and it's a thing on a shelf that you can buy. I think it cheapens or has the um, the potential of cheapening a lot of the things that make us human, whether it is our culture or our bodies or our relationships or our experiences. And um, it's worrying to me, therefore, that basically having power means being famous and being rich. Like the power is the the richness and the famousness of it. And and I'll give you an example. Like the Kardashians don't really do anything. Like they, they have stores where they sell clothes. Mm-hmm. Like, but they have those stores because they're famous and they're famous because they're famous and they're famous. Like originally because Kim made a sex video and their dad was Robert Kardashian who had been involved with the OJ trial, but long since passed away. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, basically there's no there there, but what happens is like people come to like Kim's book tour or whatever it is like that. And moms bring their daughters and literally say like, you're such a role model to my daughter. And so basically, I mean, I'm not saying it's causing this in the United States of America, but it's not discouraging mm-hmm. it. It's a symptom. It's a symptom, much like Donald Trump. It's a symptom of our cultural you know, the, the cancer that our culture has, but it's also, I think feeds back into the system because you have these young girls going, that's what being empowered is and being empowered is self-sexualizing. It's making myself an object for a male desire. It's uh, putting my body on display. It's doing makeup and taking selfies and being on Instagram and sending boob pics to my 14 year old boyfriend 
And I mean, this is real stuff. And then, and moms, yeah. a lot, you know, a lot of moms are like, yes, you are powerful, Kim Kardashian, because I grew up and I had to put my body out there and do all that stuff, but I didn't get anything. At least you have a TV show and a clothing line and you're famous and you seem like you're happy and powerful. I want my daughter to have, it's almost like, you know what it is? It's almost like the ultimate form of settling. It's mm-hmm. like women taking their daughters and saying, Hey, you're going to be objectified. You're going to be sexualized. You're going to be, you're going to only exist basically to serve men. And this is the best you can hope for is to be Kim Kardashian is to be hot is to be now is to be in the, in the, in the spotlight, marry someone who's wealthy. And it's, it just seems it for me, if I were like a hardcore feminist, I would be very depressed by this, you know, Mm-hmm. I would be very upset about this, and I am upset about it even as someone who just likes to, for women to be people, to be humans, and not to be objects, and, and to be, you know, made into basically passive recipients of men's desires. And so for me, the most dangerous part of it is that I do believe that art does have an effect on society. Yes, it is a product of society, but I I feel that, you know, art also influences life, and to see young people especially these are their role models these are the people that parents are allowing them to kind of and i know that seems like a really trite and a really old school worry that like oh this person Mm -hmm. said bad words and they're a role model and so people are going to be worse now and bill clinton had you know an intern give him fellatio in the oval office you know that's bad like that seems like a really old school kind of old-fashioned thing to think but i see it happening and i i don't think it's going to be good like I don't, I don't think that that aspect of reality television in our culture is is going to have a good end. So, well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it can. It, when you, when things are set up to be, hey, you should do anything you can to be famous, like anything. Yeah. And I think when we, when we, when you watch those old like dramas, um, or something you you kind of have this thing of like you know oh fame is bad don't fall into the lie blah 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 um all that stuff but i think for them that was like don't become obsessed with it but for us in a modern context fame can be something you get from making a tape at your house like you said yeah. fame is something you can get for becoming you know and we're talking about like produced reality television shows but there's also the side of the internet yeah youtube stars yeah with the lady who's like you know ain't nobody got time for that like who the hell is that you know like and all of these different people who just kind of like come out of the woodwork and you you are allowed to be famous for anything you know like that's and when you Combine that with the kind of, we don't really know, like, people starting to have second doubts about, like, stable careers and actually working in the workforce, and especially in disadvantaged communities, Yeah, I think that call of, like, instant wealth, instant fame, instant security, I think, I think, which is a weird statement. Um, although I don't think reality television stars have a long shelf life. Yeah. Um, in some ways it seems to be the more feminine version of the kind of, I'm going to be a rapper or a professional athlete to get out of the ghetto kind of yeah. mentality. Well, it's, well, those two things, I don't even know if I call it feminine. I'd just be more like those two things require you to 
develop a skill in something. Yeah. So if you're actually going to make it as a rapper, either you have to have a really good personality that people like, or you actually have to be a good artist. Mm -hmm. And with, you know, with athleticism, it's like constant training, Mm -hmm. constant practicing. But with going in front of a camera and saying something funny or having a cat that always looks grumpy or making a porn video because you're like a kind of attractive is are they armenian is that it yeah woman like those things seem so cheap in Mm -hmm. some ways compared to the compared to other things yeah i think maybe the reason i said feminine is because i i've always thought of like professional wrestling and sports and the behind the scenes sports stuff and Mm -hmm. even the rap game like as more masculine things Mm -hmm. um classically you have guys who follow that more and i think if i were to look at the statistics of reality television because it is more personal it is more actually family oriented most reality tv shows are about a family of some kind Mm -hmm. um i would just guess that women uh would watch those that it seems to be reality tv seems to be in some ways the the more feminine counterpart of sports and professional wrestling and dude, dude things, you know, like yeah. classically masculine things. But I'm sure people of all kinds watch all sorts of reality TV shows. I'm sure too. So this, this brings me to something I wanted to ask you, which I think is a, is a slightly harder question, but I think it's a, a more interesting question and hopefully it'll be one of the more interesting parts of this um, this discussion is what do you think is good or at least an opportunity of good for reality television in our culture? Um, I think if there was a reality television show that focused on what it was actually like to live in certain um, fringe cultures or fringe environments. I would be very interested to see that. I mean, I'm I'm basically describing like this American life or like good reporting. So I don't even know if it would be. Well, yeah, there there are stuff like that. There are people like there are shows about people who live in Alaska on the frontiers and, you know, I think um, shows like Deadliest Catch, like about like how hard it is mm-hmm. to be one of those fishermen up mm-hmm. in the, you know, fishing off the, the banks of the Alaskan islands and stuff like that. So there are, for me, there are those shows. So let's, let's just take those and say, what do you think is good about those shows that kind of show people living, like even people running a pawn shop, even if there is some BS to it, it still kind of shows you what it's like to run a pawn shop, like what, mm-hmm. or American Pickers or something like that people that are kind of journeying throughout the country looking for interesting things from kind of backwoods, you know, towns and basically they're hyper antiquers. Like, what do you think is good or potentially good about those, those things? Um, I think when those shows resist production, like that's the biggest flaw in those shows for me. So instead of it being like, if you watch the first season of Deadliest Catch, which for some reason I've seen like multiple episodes of, I, I really can't tell you why. Um, but if if you something like that, um, you you kind of get this feel of like, wow, this is like actually what it's like to live in these different areas or like do mm-hmm. different things. Um, or like, yeah, I didn't know that all this crap we eat is 
so freaking hard to get a hold yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't like, seem very easy. <laughs> doesn't seem easy, and then it's like it's crabs. So it's like it's kind of like not even like whoa, crazy. Um, but as it goes on, the production, the promos, they kind of just start like it's almost like they don't. It's the the biggest struggle with reality television is I feel like sometimes people want it to have the skin of reality but then also start doing the old-fashioned things of, let's have an overarching narrative, you know? Like, let's let's develop these characters. It's like, well, if they're actually real, they'll develop or not, you know? Like, if nothing... If they're all on the uh, a ship in the Alaskan ocean fishing crabs and no one gets hurt and mm. they have a good catch and their families are really happy that everyone's safe, then they can go home and it's, and it's great. But... It's almost like we crave that need for drama, that ancient need for conflict in what we watch, which when you're making up stories about Zeus and Hera, then Mm -hmm. there's really no victims. But when you're making, when you're kind of manipulating Mm -hmm. cast members to cause drama, to Mm -hmm. create conflict, to lie, even though there's been a lot of things about people just straight up lying on reality television shows. Yep. Obviously people would do that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's there, those, but those are real people, you know, like they might be like selling their souls to the reality television, but they're still like real mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So like causing drama in their lives is still actually causing drama in someone else's yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I'll take that theme of real life effects in people's actual lives Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll sort of submit what I think can be very positive about reality TV. I think reality TV has given certain people chances to share their gifts with the world or mm-hmm. become advanced certain people's careers that that it's a good thing. Like, I'm glad I'm glad that, you know, there's been a few American Idol winners and a few. Uh, the latest guy who won The Voice is this incredible dude. There's no chance in hell this guy would have ever signed a record deal. He's like chubby. And, and do you know who I'm talking about? Mm, Jordan? No, I don't. Chubby and awkward and just never, dude. Never would this guy have gotten a chance. And he has the most incredible voice I've heard in a long time. And he won the voice because of that format, you know, because judges pick you without seeing you. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have a career. And he's a really kind young man, really thoughtful um very you know a person of faith a person that wants to help people with a message of hope and this kid never would have made it ever ever i'm telling you but he he got a chance and i think that's a beautiful thing and there's people who have started restaurants because they've been on these these reality tv cooking shows and there's a lot of really good ones some of them aren't good and they fail but some of them some of these people were able to parlay that into getting their shot right it's like it's lowered the barriers for entry I think is the best way to put it. It's lowered the barriers for entry in certain professions that are really hard to get mm-hmm. into classically. And it's really given people a bridge. And I'll give you the best example. And I think maybe the actually socially best, what well, by best, I mean, it will improve society the most of any TV of any TV show, maybe ever is shark tank on ABC mm-hmm. where real people who invent real things and have real businesses get a chance to have their entrepreneurial capital, you know, infused by these wealthy 
um, people who kind of hear their pitch. It's all merit-based. They don't care what these people look like. They don't care, you know, they don't care who they know or who they don't know. The, the sharks come with all the connections on all the money. They just care mm-hmm. if the idea is good. And if the idea is good, then they'll do it. And I think a lot of companies have really uh, received the, the shot in the arm they needed to become. And some companies are doing really good stuff. And I think that uh, that's the best case scenario for reality television. I think so, too. I think that anything that, you, you know, like, imagine how awful Shark Tank would be, though, if... Sorry, I'm just like laughing even thinking about I'm it. I'm ready. Tell but, me. But just like infuse, like the first 15 minutes of it is just like this overly detailed, like every single struggle mm-hmm. in these people's personal life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, they invented this thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. But did you know his mm-hmm. daughter's struggles with bulimia? Mm-hmm. Well, and the and interesting like, thing is most of the people that they do those kind of personal packages on, mm-hmm. they do those, they do those after the taping of the show. So, you know, if they've taken the time to do that, that they probably got approved, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's kind of a clue. If you're, if you're watching it like a game, you, if let's say you were watching you know, shark tank real time and betting, you would bet on the people who get the video packages. Yeah. So it's actually like, it is doing what you're saying, but a high, high percentage of them actually get funded. Like, like mm-hmm. they don't do video packages on people who are just get destroyed normally. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and it's fine to do video packages on like, hey, let me here, like, let's get to know this person, you know, but there's a difference between that and, hey, um, let's get to know this person's daughter who relies on him for all of her income. You know, I think the show Undercover Boss is a great example of it walks the line for me. I think the concept of putting a CEO or a high up administrative official Mm-hmm. on a entry-level position in their own company just so they can see yeah. what is going on. That seems like it's, a really good idea. Yeah, that's like a super interesting show, and I, I would I would really like to see that. Um, and I have seen it, but I also think sometimes it kind of, you, by going with them to the lower levels, you start seeing kind of maybe how unfair something is yeah. and how dehumanizing something is or like, yeah. you know, it goes on and on. And then at the end, they're just like, Hey, you were really nice to me when I worked here. So I'm going to, you get mm-hmm. a $2,000 vacation to mm-hmm. Hawaii. A new and yeah. And it's like, I mean, does that really change any of the things that have like you've witnessed so yeah, far? Yeah. Like, hundred people that do that job get nothing. Yeah. It's, it's like, and, and that's not, I mean, that could wait, be wait, wait. you know what the saddest version of this type of situation is? And, and it makes me sick to my stomach. I actually can't watch it. It's at the, at the college football national championship game every year, mm-hmm. or it's at one of them. Maybe it's the SEC championship. It's one of the big college football games. They have two finalists. <laughs> so Nick, this is the cruelest thing that I've ever seen. And they do it every year. There's two finalists. They're they're high high school students. And Dr. Pepper, I think, is is the company that, that, uh, you know, provides the money. Classic Dr. Pepper. And they have a football throwing contest. And it's always a girl versus a guy. There's always a male and a female. They have a 
football throwing contest that they've been training for because they knew they were finalists. Like it, and it's like mm-hmm. for for a full ride four year scholarship to any school that they want to go to on national television at a halftime game where millions of people are watching you. It's the most painful thing in the world because the person who loses <laughs> will never feel worse about themselves than this mm-hmm. moment. They yeah. are they are winning or losing their life, like their life dreams, their ability to go to school, their ability to go to the college they want to go to. And like if they if they can't throw the football into the hole as well as the person next to them, they lose everything. Yeah. Well, it's and that's a very specific example, but that's I think to to sum up what I've been saying, that is my problem with reality television right there. Like I know that's not technically reality television, but it's, it's like, awful. It's, it's so like, awful. All of your dreams, you know, they will build it up. Like they want to start a restaurant and he wants to get his daughters into college and he wants to buy a new car so he could visit his grandma who's alone in a bank. <laughs> and it's like, and now your first challenge is who can make the best Pikachu noise? And we have a celebrity guest host of Bill Nye the Science Guy who subjectively will decide if this person will get to see their grandmother or not. And like... And that sounds really traumatic, but it, it is kind of what it's what I just described to you. Yeah. It's what I just described to you. That really happens every year, and I have to turn mm-hmm. it off. Like it's so painful for me emotionally. I really do have to turn it off because I feel so bad for whoever loses. Oh yeah. Well, it's crazy. It's crazy. Because <laughs> at least like professional sports is people who've been training for this like their whole lives. And they're and like they put it all on the line. And yes, there are winners and losers. There are people who make the cut and don't make the cut. There are people who fail. There are people who get hurt. There, you know, there is a lot of human drama, both positive and negative. Um, but it's not like two high school kids who are desperately just trying to go to college. You know, yeah, that just want to go to college. And you yeah. hold both their fates in your hands, and you go, all right, well, let's throw some footballs. <laughs> It's just so cruel. It's so cruel. Well, it's ridiculous. It's it, and I think if you don't think it, think of it critically, though, it doesn't seem ridiculous. You know, it seems like oh, well, it's just a friendly competition. Yep, and that's all it is. But in reality, it's like you are letting someone's entire educational future be decided be decided upon. It's the putting, stakes. It's the stakes yeah. of the matter. You know, the stakes are mm-hmm. so high. It's like, oh, we're playing horse. This is great. Oh, yeah. By the way, the one of you who loses gets shot in the head. <laughs> yeah. It, it's if you actually, I think what I'm saying is if you continue to empathize with them once they're off the screen, it becomes horrifying. By the way, there's you a per, there's a perfect parody of this. It's the uh, that Tim and Eric commercial, that like 45 minute long like weird reality TV show competition death. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, the 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 promo they did for Saint Pro. Yes. Can you yeah. talk about that a little bit? It's one of the most incredible pieces of television I've ever seen. Yeah, well, first of all, apparently it was someone paid them to make it. So that's the first miracle that we're talking about here. Um and it's Basically, there's a character in Saints Row called Genki. Genki. Well, it's a. Genki. You have to explain Saints Row first because not everybody knows what that it's is. kind of like a big giant. If you remember last week's episode, it's definitely a um, a 
Grand Theft Auto-esque, like, sandbox. Like, you can run around and, like, blow up buildings and, like, do whatever that you want and whatever. Yeah. So it's, like, it's like a fun bro game or whatever. Um, but they basically made a commercial about one of the characters who's, like, an insane something, cat monster or whatever. And it just has these people in this, like, post-apocalyptic, Soviet-esque reality television show where... They have to make like famous world monuments out of like frozen chicken and are like literally fed to dogs when these things like don't work out. <laughs> and it's like the it's, biggest like uh, totalitarian communist dictator Hugo Chavez mashup like nightmare game show dear oh. leader just incredible piece of art. Absolutely. It's just. I was as I was watching it, and I think I, I watched it with you when it came out. It's like it's like a half an hour long. It's it's like this piece of propaganda, mm-hmm. and I was just struck by it. And obviously, it's a commentary on TV culture and game shows and reality television and all of those things. What do you what do you think when Tim and Eric make something like that? What do you what do you think they're trying to say? I mean, it's always hard to tell with those guys, but I think they're trying to say, look, the format fits. Yeah. Yeah. How they do this, it still fits. Yeah. So what does that mean for us? Yeah. You know, like, even though the the material of the show, like, make a leaning tower of pizza out of frozen chicken nuggets Mm -hmm. is something that we probably probably won't see on reality television anytime soon. Yeah. It does have a resemblance enough Mm -hmm. to what actually is asked of people. And in, and in the parody, it's like, they're going to die if they don't do it correctly. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, for us, in some ways they lose a dream. Yeah. On most of these shows. They always have a dream. Like all yeah. the contestants always have a dream. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that relationship, maybe on the one of the deeper levels of analysis here, that relationship between the stakes mm-hmm. and the silliness of the competition. Like when something's just so silly but the stakes are incredibly high, I think that's one of the most unfortunate parts, like one of the most unfortunate cruxes of reality television. And the invasion of reality television into every area of our life. And I think the most sad and the most um, depressing form of that is this election cycle Um, with Donald Trump. I mean, it's literally the same thing as reality television. Just buffoon guy says stuff, strong man makes move, people arguing about hand size and other body part size and people not getting any attention from the news media unless they say ridiculous things back to you know, Donald Trump and, and people buying into it. I, I, you know, you could make the case that reality television has paved the way for the Trump candidacy, that he was in people's living rooms for 10 years through The Apprentice. It was one of NBC's highest rated shows. Um, he said a bunch of awful things and then he's been called on it during this election. And his campaign spokeswoman has said, yeah, but he said those things as a television character. And my response is he's running for president as a television character. Period. Well, He's still true. that character. So 
if you're going to explain the awful things that he said as a television character away as he's a television character, what you're also saying is we are electing a television character, not a, not a man. We're electing a television character to be the president of our, of, of our republic, of our nation, and we're going to hand this man nuclear codes. We're going to give him the red phone and the red button and the ability to negotiate treaties and the responsibility of executing the laws of the legislative branch and of, cross your fingers, not doing anything horrendously illegal a la Nixon or, to lesser extents, George W. Bush and Barack Obama through executive orders, not become a mm -hmm. dictator, a strong man, not do what he's promised to do, which is to force soldiers to commit war crimes or to uh, suspend First Amendment privileges for people who are critical of him. Like, these are all things that this television character has said. And I think that it points to the biggest weakness of reality television. And the biggest weakness of reality television is we can't decide if it's reality or if it's television. Exactly. exactly. So when, when someone runs for president as a reality television character, no one's really sure if he's real or if he's just a, a creation of television. Very true. Very, very true. Sad. Sad, but true. <laughs> That's very funny. sad. It's funny you say sad because at the end of all his tweets, he, he'll say, Marco Rubio, little man, terrible haircut, sweaty, sad, exclamation point. So sad. He, he says sad with exclamation points. Sad. I, I just don't know what to do with this guy, man. And I, and I, for me, I just watched the reality televisionization of our politics, you know, and it started way back with Kennedy versus Nixon in the debates in 1960 mm -hmm. um but like look where we've come like from that and then on the other side from oj all the way to you know honey boo boo and um chris lee knows best i mean i guess i'm at fault for expecting people to vote differently if they've been voting with their dollars for so many years for all of these tv shows um if that's been the habits of the american people why why am i surprised at all that this this idiocracy moment is happening in our political discourse. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I would love to know why you're surprised at all. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm an, I'm an idiot for being surprised. Um, so as we kind of try to wrap this up and clo close this uh, episode out, what, what can we do? Like as people, as humans, what, what can we do about reality television, the good, the bad and the ugly? Um, I think, it might seem like a cop out, but like, be aware of what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, like reality television is something that can be funny. It can be it's lighthearted. There's not mm -hmm. a lot of thought behind it, mm -hmm. and I don't think there should be. Um, yeah. However, it, I think when you let it come into your life in a way that you just accept what it's giving you as like oh well yeah obviously um i think i think that's when the danger starts I, I think when you become desensitized to the fact that like hey certain people have certain needs and this and that um i i that's the real danger for me and that sounds like a cop-out and i know it does but for me, it's like we've got to have conversations with the people 
that we care about or that we have relationships with and just kind of ask them questions about why they watch reality TV and what they get out of it. And, and just encourage, you know, encourage people to vote with their feet and to think like even myself, like sometimes I want to turn my brain off and just watch something soapy and poppy, but it's like, I'm encouraging it. When I watch something, mm-hmm. I'm encouraging it. I am giving them money. I'm giving them exposure. I'm allowing them to make more of that. So being discerning about my consumption as a consumer, but also being willing to have conversations with other people and to teach my students certain ways and to say like, hey, just I think your thing about being mindful and knowing what it is, like it's okay to have a little bit of dessert, but it's not okay just to eat, you know, apple pie with ice cream on top with candy on top with chocolate syrup. It's basically not okay to be elf um, and just eat candy for every single meal and syrup and, you know, sugar. I, I think that that's for me the takeaway is that mm-hmm. as a society in small blocks like families and churches and schools and groups of friends and communities and online communities, we've got to decide what we want to be as a culture. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think we really have to decide what matters to us. Is it instant entertainment or is it something else? Yeah. And... I I don't know if everyone has an answer to that. Yeah. Well, I think that's a pretty decent way to close it off because reality TV is probably not going away anytime soon. Probably have not seen the last of it, so we'll have to make these choices into the future. So, yeah, I think we're going to leave it there, and we are looking forward to next week where uh, in episode 23 of The Mean, we're going to be talking about fallacies. Um, things that are logically not true uh, or are mistakes that people make or errors that people make when they're trying to argue with people either in a courtroom or on the internet. But (laughs) for now, theaters of argument, (laughs) exactly the two places in which people argue. Um, But for now, this has been Ryan and Nick, and you will hear from us next week. Bye. Bye.